How do you think that our the, the raw general manager McFoley and Stephanie McMahon being the commissioner, how do you think they'll coexist? I don't care. Wrestling fans, are you ready? For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. Uh, Let's get ready to rumble! He says he did it for the people, but he did it for the paycheck. But I have diagrams. I really don't like people. I'm from Winnipeg, you idiot. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This fight's right! It's WrestleRant Radio. A new intro, a new logo, a new day. It's a new day. Oh, yes, it is. Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and for the first time ever, WrestleRant Radio is being brought to you on a Thursday. For the past three years, the show has come to you on Tuesdays, on occasion on a Wednesday here and there when we can't record the show on a Tuesday, but primarily on Tuesdays. But moving forward, starting today, July 21st, 2016, WrestleRant Radio will be moving weekly to Thursday afternoons, nights, mornings, whenever it goes up, but... Thursdays, basically. Not, you know, I'm not broadcasting it live anymore. We haven't broadcast the show live in many months. I think it's just easier to do in podcast form. But nevertheless, WrestleRant Radio moves to Thursdays today. And as WWE has proclaimed time and time again, it is a new era here on WrestleRant Radio. Like I said, a new intro, you know, just changing of the same theme, basically. I love Do I by Emphatic. To those that ask, by the way, the theme is for WrestleRant Radio Do I by Emphatic. But I uh, had to change up the little clips at the start of the intro, at the end of the intro, rather. Threw in a new logo as well, our first ever, our second ever logo. That logo I had had for almost three years, so I figured it was time for a change. Enough is enough, and it's time for a change, to quote the legendary uh, Owen Hart. I almost said Bret Hart there for a second. Wrong Hart, but uh, rather Owen Hart. So, uh, like I said, to kind of coincide with the new day on Thursday. So, no better week to really kind of make the blockbuster move to Thursdays. Along with Teen Impact Wrestling, they're moving to Thursdays tonight as well. I have no idea whether I'll be able to watch the show live. The show will be basically going up on the website. As I uh, as the show airs on Pop TV, I have no idea whether I'll be able to watch live tonight. I probably will moving forward. I'll probably be recording the show in the afternoon, but it's been such a jam-packed week with everything going on wrestling-wise. I've been working Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I'm off tomorrow, hopefully, unless they need me, and I'm hoping they don't. Um, and if all goes well, I will be hanging out with Jason tomorrow, and we, we can record the random video blog together, talking about whether I'm Team Raw or Team SmackDown. Obviously, I'll hint towards which team I'm on, Throughout the remainder of this podcast, talking about the WWE draft, and that's basically what I'm going to be talking about today. Get, going to be getting into momentarily the WWE draft on Tuesday, both the uh, main roster, both the televised portion and the WWE Network portion. We're talking SmackDown Live, the first ever episode live on Tuesdays, Monday Night Raw, NXT, Ultima Lucha Dose Part Three, the season two finale of Lucha Underground. I feel like there's more, but there's uh, the Cruiserweight Classic last night as well. There's just so much to talk about. And I've done a lot of thinking. I mean, for today only anyway, I talked about last week. I talked about it on Tuesday, which by the way, check it out. The final ever episode of WrestleRant Radio on Tuesdays went up this past week, a mere 48 hours ago, WrestleRant Radio, sitting down with John Knapp, at Knapp's Ring Rap on the Twitter. We hung out over the weekend. We went camping in Saugerties, New York, which is always an amazing time. Uh, It's been an annual tradition of sorts over the past decade or so with our respective families. But we sat down to record uh, record part two 
of our retrospective podcast talking SmackDown versus Raw 2007 general manager mode. And anyone who has followed me closely, and John as well, uh, we've done hashtag Beast Booking in SVR07 GM mode for the past five years, 15 in-game years. So we're talking all about our greatest feuds, WrestleMania matches, title history, our greatest WWE champions, angles, storylines, everything um, in that part two podcast, in that two-part podcast, rather. So check out part one from last week. And the second part from this week, from this past Tuesday, it should be going up on the YouTube channel any day now, along with part one, which went up uh, late last week. So that being said, like I said, it's been a real busy week. Um, when I'm not at work, I'm watching wrestling. So it's either working, watching wrestling, eating, or sleeping. So eat, sleep, write, wrestling, repeat, basically is what the past four days have been. So I'm looking forward to uh, talking all about it right here on the show today. So what better to start off with than Raw on Monday night, which is probably honestly in a rare occurrence. Oh, how can I forget? We have the pay-per-view on Sunday, too. We have Battleground on Sunday, too. Jesus Christ. Even after all that excitement, we still have a pay-per-view to look forward to in 72 hours, which I can't wait for either. Um, It's a stack show, start to finish, top to bottom. We're doing predictions, picks, and potential for each match, you know, at the, probably the end of the show, so stay tuned for that, but like I said, in a rare week, Raw was probably the least newsworthy episode, least newsworthy show of the week. Behind NXT, obviously SmackDown, The Draft, even Lucha Underground. So uh, we'll start with Raw first. RJ was in attendance in the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. Fun fact for you, I went to that arena for my first ever WWE show live. Not a live event or just, you know, my, my first WWE show, period. Back in November of 2009 for a SmackDown taping. Coincidentally enough, my first ever WWE show was a SmackDown taping. Great time, despite being sick with the swine flu at that time. It was still a fun show, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. I did not go to SmackDown for another, God, what was it, seven years? Six to seven years until this past March when I went with RJ. So RJ was at Raw this past week in the um, in the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence. He had a great time. There were an awesome crowd throughout the night. We had the two new GMs named and Daniel Bryan for SmackDown Live. And I'm going to call it SmackDown probably accidentally, by accident, it really doesn't matter, but apparently WWE's new official name for the Blue Brain is SmackDown Live, not just SmackDown, so why not just call Raw, Raw Live, since that's live too, right? Anyway, it's almost like when they did the whole Super Show shit, remember that, like when they got rid of the, you know, coincidentally enough, the brand split five years ago, they did away with Raw and SmackDown distinct rosters, they started calling Raw the Super Show, so what did that make SmackDown? The the glorified B-Show if it wasn't already. And that was just a total disaster. So hopefully they get rid of that whole live shit. Keep it live, but don't call it SmackDown Live. I just feel like it's dumb. I know they want to promote it as SmackDown Live, whatever, but that's a small gripe. So anyway, uh, what was they talking about? Uh, Raw, SmackDown, I don't even know. So, oh yeah, the GM. So Daniel Bryan was named the GM for SmackDown under Shane McMahon as the commissioner. And Raw's commissioner, Stephanie McMahon, named Mick Foley as the Raw GM, which was pretty cool. So... Obviously, I was expecting, as many others were, as many were, as many others were as well, a Triple H to be named the Raw General Manager, and I could not be happier. That was not the case, just because. And I don't hate Triple H. I don't mind him as a wrestler. I don't mind him as an authority figure. I just hate the authority. Period. And I could really, honestly, do without seeing the authority back in power ever again. We had the authority for almost three straight years. SummerSlam in one month marks. The three-year anniversary of the Authority. We still have the remnants of it on television. I know Seth Rollins is still heel. I know that doesn't really count because he's on his own now. But we still have Stephanie every single week on TV, slapping people, you know, undermining people, emasculating the baby faces and heels, regardless how big or small you are, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman. 
She's still doing her thing, and she can be a great heel from time to time, but it's just that stupid-ass slap that serves no purpose. We've talked about it time and time again here on the show, how Stephanie's slapping talent really does nothing to put her over, put the, the superstars over. It just bugs the shit out of me, but... At any rate, uh, hopefully we won't be seeing much of that going forward with Mick Foley as the new Raw General Manager. So the point I'm trying to make is that I'm ecstatic that Triple H is not the new Raw GM. And that day, July 18th, did fall on the three-year anniversary, or not three-year, five-year anniversary, rather, of when Triple H came back as the new COO of the WWE. When Vince was about to fire John Cena, Triple H returned for the first time since the Raw after WrestleMania 27 and announced that Vince McMahon, and I quote, was relieved of his duties, although he technically wasn't, but... Anyway, so I was glad that a weird twist of fate did not come to fruition, and instead we had Foley running the reins of Raw, taking the reins of Raw, so I think that's great. And Daniel Bryan as the GM of SmackDown, it had been rumored for about, I mean, people have been speculating about it for a while now, but it really kind of, the rumors heated up last week when a shot of the WWE app, uh, the WWE app leaked online, and uh, apparently it was the Raw result, and it said SmackDown, the Yes Movement comes to SmackDown, or something like that. So, and then it was immediately immediately deleted, so that pretty much spoiled Daniel Bryan as the SmackDown GM, although I can't complain, he's a great fit for the uh, SmackDown GM role. Daniel Bryan has talked about time and time again, he went on a huge, you know, uh, tirade about it on Table for Three earlier this year, late last year, I forgot when it was, I think it was late last year, with Ryback and Dolph Ziggler talking about it. We read rumors about it at the time, when Daniel Bryan really wanted that brand split back. And now he's retired, so it sucks he's not a part of it, but this is the best they could do with him uh, in being a, in being involved in a part of the brand split by being the GM of SmackDown, the show that he was really petitioning to be you know, as important as, important as once was back when he was Intercontinental Champion early last year. He really wanted to be a SmackDown guy, and I can, without a doubt, I mean, obviously this is you know common knowledge, but um, if Daniel Bryan was still wrestling, he would undoubtedly be the perfect face of the blue brand, and now we have Daniel Bryan, or rather uh, Dean Ambrose, John Cena, AJ Styles. So, the next best thing with those three guys, and we'll talk about that as we talk about the results of the draft momentarily. But bottom line, I like Mick Foley and Daniel Bryan as the respective GMs. I know Stephanie is still, you know, running Raw to an extent, and here's hoping. It's only been one week. Um, we had a lot of bickering back and forth between Shane and Stephanie on Monday's Raw and on SmackDown backstage in the ring, all this other shit. It's just so annoying. It's so annoying. I could really do without the, the McMahon family drama for five minutes. It's been shoved down our throat for not the past three years since the dawn of the authority, but rather the past fucking 15, 20 years since the dawn of heel authority figures in wrestling, starting with Vince McMahon himself. And it's only deteriorated since then. That whole, you know, uh, that, that, that tripe, I guess, that, that trope that uh, heel GMs, you know, must be, are the GMs of... Any respective wrestling show must be heel, must be vindictive, must be, you know, drunk with power. And I'm just so tired of that, uh, of that angle, of that, of that storyline, of that, I don't know what the word for it is, but just that, you know, that, that heel GM authority figure bullshit, I guess is the right word for it. I'm just so sick of it. And thankfully that just seems to be no longer the case with uh, Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley running their respective shows. I think it's great. And I did get a laugh. I did, I did chuckle at Daniel Bryan saying backstage later on in the show that he and uh, Raw and SmackDown would be, would be battling for uh, ratings and all this other shit when he and Mick Foley confronted each other backstage. And uh, I was not... I, like I said, I laughed at it a little bit. I was thinking, uh, SmackDown battling Raw for ratings. It didn't make me think of the aforementioned Raw versus, you know, SmackDown versus Raw 2007 General Manager mode, which you do battle for ratings on that show, which may, it makes no sense because Raw and SmackDown were on separate days, but you know what I mean. 
So, um, anyway. It did make me laugh, but then SmackDown ended up doing a better rating than Raw this past week. Has that ever been the case? I highly doubt it. I highly, highly, highly doubt it. So, that was surprising. Great for the Blue Brain. I don't expect them to keep it up. I don't think the ratings will be as shitty as they were, you know, before the brand split, but... Uh, or at least I hope not. So anyway, so that was a good, you know, good news for SmackDown. So I did laugh at that backstage, but I ended up eating my words. They did end up uh, doing just that. SmackDown did end up, you know, doing better than Raw this past week in the ratings. So good for them. But anyway, Raw was basically just that. It was really that opening segment with Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley being named the, the GMs of Raw and SmackDown. And then the WWE title match in the main event, which was obviously exceptional between Seth Rollins and the, and the defending champion. Uh, Seth, uh, Dean Ambrose almost said Seth Rollins twice. But uh, great WWE title match. These two obviously work very well together. The sky is blue. What else is new? Uh, these guys just have had such amazing history and chemistry over the past three years, two years rather, or even four years since they started the Shield. But uh, their matches basically one-on-one since the summer of 2014 have all been great. These two matches, this one on Raw and on SmackDown, were both very, very good. The non-finish was just confusing as all hell because I'm sure there were casual fans. I had no idea whether to tune into the network or not. Um, I really had no idea until I was writing my review of Raw. I was finishing it up on my website right here on NextDayWrestling.net. Right here on NextDayWrestling.net, to quote the great McFoley, you know, speaking of whom. But uh, I really had no idea to tune into the network coming out of Raw until I saw a little notification pop up on my iPad, which I had been watching Raw on via the Xfinity app, which is amazing, by the way. I don't get cable in my room these days, and it's hard to watch it on the TV room in my in my house because my family's always watching TV. But uh, So it's so much easier just to watch on my iPad. But anyway, I see the notification pop up saying, watch the fallout of the WWE title controversy right now on WWE Network. So I'm like, that's weird. So I tuned in, and I missed the official decision when they replayed the, uh, replayed the finish of the match, and Dean Ambrose was deemed still the WWE champion. But then Raw went off the air, before that rather, uh, Raw went off the air with you know, Seth Rollins taking the title, parading around it with her, uh, on the top of the stage, and Stephanie McMahon proclaiming him the new WWE champion with the show closing with Rollins music playing. So, you know, a lot of people, I didn't know if I was, you know, 100% convinced he was the new champion, but I thought it would be, uh, ruled a new contest by the website, but people were really thinking Rollins was the new WWE champion. RJ, who was there at the freaking show, thought that Rollins was the new WWE champion. Obviously not the case. Tina Ambrose retained via draw. They held the rematch on SmackDown. You know what? I'll probably just go back and forth between the two shows. I feel like it's really there's really no use in talking about Raw and SmackDown as separate reviews here because they really blended together in uh, many respects in terms of build for Battleground and, uh, you know, build for Battleground and just match-wise and in-ring-wise, segment-wise, whatever. So, so basically, both bouts were great. Enjoyed both bouts very much so. Um, I don't know which one was better. I think I like the SmackDown match more, but the Raw match was also very, very good. If you like the Raw match more, there really isn't a, a right or wrong answer. Both matches were great, basically. So Rollins, in the end, came up short of becoming the three-time WWE champion and falling short to Dean Ambrose on SmackDown Live. So like I said, two great main events on those respective shows. And the first time the WWE title had been defended on the blue brand in over four years since the June 1st, 2012 episode of SmackDown when CM Punk defended against Kane which is pretty funny. So it's been well over four years. And before that, I God knows, but obviously the World WWE Championship had been defended and that belt really meant nothing, let's face it, by late 2011, early 2012, 2013, whatever. By the time it was retired, the title's a piece of shit, basically. But before that, I mean, the World Championship being defended on SmackDown was nothing new. The WWE title being defended on SmackDown, rather, was a very rare occurrence. Before 2012, that one-off appearance, that one-off match between Punk and Kane in 2012, 
in June of that year. I couldn't tell you the last time we had a WWE title match on Raw because the title is basically a Raw championship, obviously, you know? So it had been a long time, maybe 2010, 2008 even. I'm not exactly sure, but it had been a long time is the bottom line. But uh, good stuff between Dean Ambrose and Rollins on both shows. So I'm going to look through the Raw review one more time on my website just to see if I missed anything. Like I said, it was a pretty decent show uh, overall. A lot of build for Battleground. We had a great 8-man, or rather 12-man tag team match, the club and the Wyatt family, taking on John Cena, Enzo, Big Cass, and the New Day in a really, really good uh, 12-man tag team match. Not as much of a train wreck as I thought. It was pretty you know, slow-paced early on as it should have been. It ate up a lot of TV time, almost 20, 30 minutes. In the end, it was the heels going over. Uh, the club and the Wyatt family scored the victory to build momentum towards Battleground, so good match there. Darren Young scoring a surprising victory over former world champion Alberto Del Rio. The match was really nothing of note, but it was important for, uh, I mean, despite how irrelevant Del Rio is, a win over a world champion is still over a, a win is still a win over a former world champion, so take it for what it's worth. It was an alright match, a big win for Darren Young, who also won on SmackDown Live the next day in tag team match alongside Zack Ryder against Miz and Rusev, which was great, so... I'm liking the renewed push, or the renewed uh, the renewed push of Darren Young. I've talked about it before. Um, I, I wrote about it in an article about two months ago, right after the vignettes started playing with him and Young or Herman Backlund, and they really went nowhere with it for a number of weeks, almost two months before Young resurfaced in that battle royal last week. But I'm liking the renewed push. You know, to give my prediction for that match, you know, later on in the show when we when we get into the battleground predictions, obviously. But I'm really hoping he wins the championship on Sunday. I feel like that'd be the best way to kind of. Uh, Go full circle with this push. Not really go full circle. I don't think that's the right term, but kind of uh, really pull the trigger on the Darren Young singles push by giving him the Intercontinental Championship on Sunday. So also really good tag team action with Sami Zayn and Cesaro taking on Jericho and Owens. And they build this as the final time we could see any one of these four men on the same show, but they all ended up on the same show anyway, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> but still a good match, nevertheless. Baron Corbin squashing Sin Cara and squashing Kalisto afterwards too, who had a... Hilarious promo, a hilarious interview on WWE Network um, during the WWE Draft Center shit on Tuesday night. He cut a great, uh, a hilariously bad promo about being drafted to SmackDown, and it's a lucha thing, and it's been the talk of Twitter all week long. It's been hilarious to watch. So uh, there was that, Corbin squashing Sin Cara. After that, we Dana Brooke in Charlotte, losing to Banks and Becky Lynch via disqualification after interference from Natalia. So Banks will be facing... Charlotte and Dana on Sunday with a mystery partner. So I'll talk more about that in the Battleground predictions. But an alright match. Short-lived, but an alright match. Uh, Rusev and Sheamus beating Ziggler and Ryder. I thought it was a bit questionable to have Ryder lose uh, again for the second sweet, for the second straight week on Raw against the champion when the champion really doesn't need a win. And Sheamus, for you know God's sakes, is not need the victory in 2016 at this point. Uh, he did win on SmackDown, obviously, but the match itself was alright. And I already talked about the main event. So overall, Raw was Raw. I thought it was an alright show. Uh, not quite as good as past weeks, but it was basically filler before the pay-per-view on Sunday and uh, before the big draft the next night. So speaking of which, the WWE Draft from Tuesday night, the 2016 WWE Draft, with uh, 59 picks in total, 30 on the televised broadcast on SmackDown Live and 29 going on the WWE, uh, the WWE Draft Center live on the WWE Network immediately afterwards. So... My immediate reaction to the network, to the uh, to the WWE draft, rather, I thought was great. I thought the overall draft went really, really well. There were obviously a lot of picks I would have switched out, and I'll probably talk about it in another article for this website, What Culture, Bleach Report, some website at some point, Hidden Remote. I have no idea where I'm going to write it for yet, but uh, bottom line, I thought the show overall was good. I think kicking it off with the draft picks and 
There were a few questionable decisions, more so on the network portion than on the televised portion, because you had people cutting interviews when it had, you know, when it served no purpose. You had the fucking golden truth being the fu- being the first superstars picked by Raw in the supplemental draft. Who the hell cares? Who cares about Golden Truth? Why were they the first superstars picked over all the other NXT call-ups, over Apollo Crews, Zack Ryder, Kane, all these other big names, not big names, but bigger names than the fucking Golden Truth, you know? Anyway, uh, I thought that was a bit, you know, irksome, but still, I thought the draft overall went well, and I pretty much gave all of my thoughts in written form on the website yesterday when I got out of work. It took me a little bit, but... Um, I analyzed every draft pick in the 2016 WWE draft, every Raw pick, every SmackDown pick, and uh, so I'll basically kind of recite my thoughts here. I thought the big picks for Raw, you know, let me pull it up real quick. I'll just, you know, run down the results of the show of the WWE draft. So in round one, we had Rollins going to Raw, Dean Ambrose with the WWE Championship going to SmackDown Live, Charlotte with the WWE Women's Championship going to Raw, AJ Styles to SmackDown Live, and Finn Balor. From NXT going to Raw. So I thought it, this was an amazing you know, first round. Obviously the best round they did. Um, but a really, really good round. Rollins going to Raw ahead of Dean Ambrose. Uh, people might be asking, oh, why didn't they pick Ambrose? You know, he was the WWE champion. No, they want the championship on their show. It showed that Stephanie, who obviously was in full support of Seth on Raw, wanted him to... Um, or no, wait. They wanted... No, what was it? No, I don't remember exactly whose side she was on on Raw. Probably Seth, if I remember correctly. But uh, it showed that she had confidence in Rollins to take back that title by the end of the night. And obviously he did not. But it made sense for her to draft Rollins first ahead of Dean Ambrose. Now I'm reading reports Brock Lesnar was slated to be the premier pick in the WWE draft. But due to the whole controversy, which I probably won't get into today just because we have so much other stuff to talk about. uh, He got suspended. Not suspended, but he was uh, informed of a potential anti-doping violation of their wellness policy. And I think it was confirmed that he was taking something similar to John Jones, something that he got suspended for just recently, something having to do with uh, testosterone, boosting testosterone. I'm not exactly sure what it was. Nothing's been confirmed, just pure speculation at this point. But he failed two tests out of like eight, which is weird. You, you would think he'd fail all of them or just you know uh, more than two. I'm not exactly sure what the deal is right now. Lesnar has only said, we will get to the bottom of this. But uh, so... I'm not sure what his status is other than he will be at SummerSlam, obviously. He was drafted in the draft. He's not suspended. I mean, Roman Reigns was drafted while suspended, but you know what I mean. They still promoted his match with Randy Orton at SummerSlam, so uh, that's I don't think that's going to change. But Rollins to Raw, that was great. Ambrose on SmackDown is great. I think he can be a real top babyface on that show, along with AJ Styles. I had a John Cena, which was a real surprising pick, and I'm really happy with that as well. Charlotte going as early as she did, I was really, really happy with that just because it made the women a priority from the get-go. And it makes sense just because, and I think John might have mentioned it to me before the show because I was with with him for a few hours before the draft went live, um, that Mick Foley, and I know also I forgot to, obviously I forgot to mention mention this from Raw too, the Cruiserweight division is coming back. I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. But I really like that the women went first. Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, Natalia, Nia Jax, and Charlotte. That's five women picks right there. One from NXT and a bunch going to Raw and SmackDown, respectively. So they really made a big deal out of the women in this WWE draft, which was great, and they deserve to be. They've been really killing it all year round. The new championship, the the renamed women's division, not the fucking Divas division, that bullshit. You know, it's been a huge, uh, a major landmark year for the women in WWE. So this was a a real big way, uh, a major way, and I was really happy for it. 
of really sending the message that the women are a major top priority still in WWE, especially by the you know pro women's wrestling analyst that is McFoley. That that you know who is McFoley, who has been in full favor of women's wrestling for a long time now. So I was really happy with that. Balor coming up from NXT was not the biggest surprise. Was the worst kept secret probably in wrestling right now, just because. He has been main roster bound for a long, 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 long time. People thought he was coming up a year ago. I thought he was coming up the night after WrestleMania in 2015. And if not that, I made I, I made a bold prediction he was coming up the night after you know WrestleMania 32. And that was not the case either. Instead, we had a whole bunch of other great NXT call-ups. But I think the timing was right. Because the longer he stayed in NXT, he got to finish out his reign as NXT champion. He had uh, two more great matches with Samoa Joe at NXT Law, <coughs> which I was... Uh, and take over the end in another amazing match with Shinsuke Nakamura passing the torch to him on a recent episode of NXT last week, um, which I did not talk about on last week's show because that took place before the match, but I thought that was a great match too, just to mention it. But uh, the timing could not have been better. Nakamura, Balor on NXT. Nakamura goes over clean. Balor gets strapped to the Raw mere days later, so perfect timing. Uh, long overdue, well-deserved, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does on Monday night. So the club, which I'll talk about later on, they went to Raw as well, but not AJ Styles. Like I said, he's on SmackDown, so a lot of people are asking. And Michael Cole did say, and it's not, I don't know if it exactly hinted towards him, hinted towards the club joining up with Finn Balor instead of AJ Styles. Um, they did say the club was heading to Raw just without AJ Styles. And the club could still be, you know, Gallows and Anderson just without Styles. But, you know, Balor, I was wearing the shirt on Monday's Raw during, you know, or rather during, uh, Tuesday SmackDown Live during the WWE draft. He still has all that Balor Club clothing, and I heard reportedly they dropped the the trademark on that, so maybe not. I mean, they're still selling the shirts, but from what I heard, they don't have the, the trademark anymore, or they didn't file a, 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 a trademark for it. I'm not exactly sure what the, what the deal is, a copyright, whatever it's called. I'm not a huge legal buff, but you know what I'm talking about, in that it seemed like they were kind of abandoning that gimmick, given that AJ has been with the club, has been with Gallows and Anderson for the past few months, but that is no longer the case. Balor is on the same show as his former you know, club running mates in Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, so it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of plays out. I don't think, and it shouldn't lead to an immediate AJ Styles versus Finn Balor feud. I would argue, I would be in full favor of that if they were on the same show, if they were both on Raw or SmackDown, but they're not. Save that match for WrestleMania or further down the line. You can always milk that out. Both guys will be in WWE for many years to come, so there's always time to do it. You don't have to go. No, you don't have to get into that feud right away. And I'm completely fine with them, you know, doing that later on down the line. It does not have to be at SummerSlam, nor should it be. I think SummerSlam should be AJ and Cena Part Two. I don't know why it wouldn't be. They're both in the same show. And speaking of John Cena in Round Two, he went to SmackDown, which I thought. Needed to happen. I wrote article after article after article about it. John Cena on SmackDown needed to happen. Um, they didn't get as much star power as I thought they would. They didn't stack SmackDown with everyone I thought they would. But it was still a pretty solid roster, which I'll talk about more at the end. But I was glad that Cena's on SmackDown. Um, you may be sick of Cena. I'm personally not. I think he's really kind of come a long way. And even in recent years, ever since the whole start of the US Open, SmackDown, or rather Cena's won a lot of people over with his matches, his you know, change in character even. I think Cena's been consistently entertaining for the past year, year and a half at this point, so you got to give it up for the guy. He has been long gone from the main event scene, you know, other than his one match against Seth Rollins at SummerSlam last year. He has been long gone from the main event picture for a long time. This kind of solidifies that, and it can be a real cornerstone of the blue brand, so I'm very happy that was the case. 
Roman Reigns was picked first in round two by Raw, uh, which made sense. Like I said at the get-go, you know, you know, when the whole draft news broke, Reigns needed to be on Raw, regardless of what you think about the guy. The guy will be the guy, basically, in the future. Or is it the guy? I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm the guy. Uh, the man is Seth Rollins, and the dude is uh, Dean Ambrose, according to Dean Ambrose himself. But Reigns needed to be on Raw. He's still going to be a main event guy. He should not be WWE champion anytime soon, coming off of his suspension. I wholeheartedly disagree with anyone who says he should be champion come Sunday. You know, even I'd argue against putting the belt on him anytime soon, like even at SummerSlam. I'd argue I would wait until I would hold off on that for a few more months at the very least, at the earliest. Um, but he will still be a main event, you know, mainstay, regardless of what happens or what has happened with the suspension, which is officially up, by the way. He will be back in action this weekend at live events before Battleground on Sunday. But um, he will be the guy regardless, so it was smart to put him on Raw and Cena on SmackDown. Brock Lesnar on Raw really didn't matter, but he obviously he spent a large part of his original stint in WWE on SmackDown as, you know, really the face of that brand for many years. I mean, SmackDown, here comes the pain, all those games in the early 2000s. So um, it would have been cool to see him on SmackDown. I know Lesnar hardly shows up anyway, but um, and him on Raw is fine just because it's a nice breath of fresh air from when he kind of made his career on the blue brand many years ago, over a decade ago. Orton on SmackDown was good. I thought it was interesting they split up Orton and Lesnar. I guess they might be appearing on both shows en route to their SummerSlam match. That was interesting, but I like Orton on SmackDown. He did great work on that show for many years, or specifically in 2011 um, in his feud with Christian. So I thought him on SmackDown was a smart move. New Day and Raw, they're still WWE Tag Team Champions. As of yesterday, they are officially the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions in history, so congrats to them. Here's hoping they don't break up anytime soon. I'm not against them dropping the titles anytime soon. I'm, I'm completely okay with them dropping the championships at SummerSlam, as I've said for months on end now. I've said this since WrestleMania. They should drop the belts to end zone cast at SummerSlam in Brooklyn. But anyway, moving forward to the third round here. Sami Zayn went to Raw. Bray Wyatt on SmackDown, which I think is great. The Wyatt family is no more. So hopefully, I mean, Braun Strowman's on Raw, but Eric Rowan's on SmackDown. So go all the way with the split. Or just keep them together. I feel like it's a bit weird to have Rowan on one show and Strowman on the other. I would have kept those two together as a tag team and have Wyatt embark on his own path as a singles babyface. They could have turned the whole group babyface, but I think Wyatt, there's a lot of untapped potential there as we've talked about time and time again. You know, at length here on the show for many months, specifically RJ, that Wyatt needs to be a babyface. And hopefully he will be now that he's on SmackDown. And I mean, I, I read a report today by Brian Alvarez uh, of PW Insider or... Wrestling Inc., maybe. I forgot exact. I think it was PW Insider. But uh, someone said, and I'm not you know, accurately quoting here as a real journalist, but uh, someone said recently, I read today on Twitter, that they are not planning on bringing back a second world championship, which I think is a mistake. It depends how really this all plays out. You could have one world champion defending on both brands, which I'm fully in favor of, but it has to be done right. And it's going to be interesting to see, like, the champion can appear on the other show, but can the challenger appear on the other show? You know what I mean? Which I feel like is even pushing the brand split rules as it is. So we'll see how it plays out. I don't want to shoot on it before we see how it uh, how it transpires. So anyway, Wyatt on SmackDown, Sami Zayn on Raw, Banks on Raw, which I would put her on SmackDown. She seems like a SmackDown girl to me, but um, obviously she will be continuing her feud with Charlotte going to SummerSlam, so I have no issue with that. Becky Lynch on SmackDown, also a great move. She has been... You know, largely underutilized for many months now. She's still been on TV pretty regularly, but um, she should be the face of the women's division on Tuesday nights, which is great. Jericho on Raw. Didn't matter where he ended up. He's going to be entertaining, nevertheless. So I thought that was fine. 
Uh, Raw got the U.S. Championship, and SmackDown got the Intercontinental Championship. Rusev on Raw, Miz on SmackDown. At least for now. Miz and Rusev are staying where they are, but the titles may not be. Darren Young, the number one contender to the U.S. title, is on uh, SmackDown. To the Yeah, the Intercontinental Championship. He is on Raw. Or no, he's on... Darren Young's on Raw. Zack Ryder is on SmackDown. Rusev's on Raw, so... Both belts could be changing hands slash switching shows by the end of Battleground, so we'll see how that plays out. I'll be talking about more, talking about that more in the uh, Battleground predictions coming up. But I like Rusev on Raw, even more so like Miz on SmackDown, just because during the original brand split, Miz was a, a huge mainstay on Monday nights. He got drafted there in 09, split away from John Morrison that same night, which was pretty cool. Really solidified him as a as a single star, and he really broke out over the next year as a. WWE champion. I mean, in the next two years, he won Money in the Bank, the United States Championship, um, multiple tag team titles, and even the WWE Championship. So um, I thought, as big of a mainstay as he was on Monday nights, I like him on you know on Tuesdays on SmackDown. That's where he started his career. That's where he should be, you know, for the remainder of his career, in my opinion. Kevin Owens getting drafted 18th was pretty surprising. I know that was kind of part of the storyline that he was pissed in kayfabe, but. I don't know, I would have dropped them sooner, ahead of, you know, even, especially, like, Jericho, even, or Banks, or Lynch, I don't know, Wyatt, especially, I would have dropped them ahead of Wyatt, um, Owens, to me, could have been a top star on SmackDown, but him on Raw is not a bad thing, him and Sami Zayn are on the same show, on the same show, which is interesting, so, with that happening, I mean, they, they could still have their final match at Battleground for right now, but, hell, go all the way with it, continue it on until SummerSlam, I would do a stipulation match at the biggest blockbuster of the summer, do a last man standing match, or, not another ladder match. We've already seen two of them, uh, two of those from these guys in the past few months. But do a last man standing match, no holds barred, false count anywhere, whatever it might be. I would continue the feud until SummerSlam at this point. Uh, Baron Corbin on SmackDown was pretty cool. I liked that he was included in the televised portion. Took a lot of people by surprise. There were some people that didn't weren't you know huge fans of it, but I thought it was cool. Made him feel like a big deal from the get go. He wasn't a top five pick or anything, but. He was still in the televised portion, which could not be said for Apollo Crews or, you know, or Zack Ryder or even Darren Young, the number one contenders to the respective mid-card title, or the mid-card championships right now. So I think him on SmackDown is a pretty cool move because he can really kind of come into his own as a single star on Tuesday nights. Enzo and Cass on Raw, I mean, that would make more sense in the next round with who got drafted as SmackDown, but... I don't know. I felt like I really want to... I, I'm, I'm a SmackDown guy, as you could probably tell. I just answered my own question from earlier, but I am a SmackDown guy. And I would have loved to have seen Enzo and Cass on SmackDown with Carmella, who also got called up, but whatever. I mean, you have two hot acts on Raw, and they can go after the championships now, and hopefully they win them at SummerSlam. That's what I would do. I would do Enzo and Cass versus New Day at that pay-per-view. Uh, round five, we got Gallows and Anderson on Raw. to talk about the split of the, of the club. Not in full favor of it, just because I love the club together. And I love the uh, beat-up John Cena, the whole shtick they had going. For a while with uh, AJ, Gallows, and Anderson, but to split them up prematurely was a bit confusing, but if it leads to something between Balor, Gallows, and Anderson, I'm okay with it. American Alpha going to SmackDown Live, so I was really, really happy about that. I marked out probably the most I marked out for any draft pick in the WWE draft on Tuesday night. Um, Not that it was a huge surprise per se. They just dropped the NXT Championships back to the Revival last month at NXT TakeOver The End. And at that point, we all said, we all tweeted simultaneously, the entire IWC, uh, they are going to the main roster. Otherwise, why would you take the belts off them so soon? They're such a hot act at the moment, and they still are. They just had a great match against the Authors of Pain on this recent episode of NXT, which was good. The Authors of Pain went over clean, so good match there. A big win for them as American Alpha embark on a new journey to 
SmackDown, and that's a perfect show for them. A lot like what was it? Uh, Shelton Benjamin and uh, Charlie Haas, the world's greatest tag team from 2003, 2004. So perfect show for American Alpha. They can really become a big show, a big part of that show. Not just tag team wise, but a big part of that show. Period. If they really get the time they deserve to really flourish. Big Show on Raw. Who the fuck cares? Dolph Ziggler on SmackDown. Who the fuck cares? I mean. He got the push, he, he, you know, really came into his own as a single star in SmackDown back in 09, 2010, but I just don't really care about Dolph Ziggler anymore. That I just, his, his draft pick to me could have happened in the televised portion, and then I would not have given two fucks. Uh, but Nia Jax getting called up from NXT going to Raw, definitely the most surprising call up out of anybody. Uh, I mean, it, it had been rumored for a few days online, like last week or the week before or whatever. But I just have no desire to see Nia Jax in the main roster right now. You know, needless to say, she, she, you know, she's come a long way in the ring over the past, you know, year, you know, over the past eight months. She hasn't even really been in NXT for a full year at this point. She has come a long way, but even then, I feel like she's just still really, really green. And that was evident in her match against Bayley this past week against Asuka a few months ago, in the last month at NXT TakeOver the End. She's just not ready. So it depends on how she's used. I would have been okay in pairing her with Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's had a, a million different allies at this point, but in breaking Dana Brooke off from uh, from Charlotte and putting Dana on SmackDown with Emma, Emma was not drafted for those wondering her. Tyson Kidd, who I think he's done. I don't think he's coming back. I think his neck injury is so severe that he's not coming back to action. It sucks, but that's just the feeling I get. Uh, Emma, Tamina, Nikki Bella, Luke Harper are all injured at the moment, so therefore they were in ineligible for the draft. But uh, anyway, so I would have put Nia Jax... I would have kept her on NXT for right now, so I guess we'll see how far this goes, uh, or how this goes for Nia Jax. But interesting pick, to say the least. Round five, or round six even, uh, Neville coming back from action, coming back from injury to action. Going to Raw, which was perfect for him. Going to be a part of the Cruiserweight division, which I'll talk about at the end of this draft when I'm done analyzing the picks. Natalya on SmackDown. whoop de doo she, she can continue her feud with Becky, which is the best thing I can say about it. Cesaro on Raw should have picked, been a picked a lot sooner than he was. Uh, the fact that they waited this long to draft Cesaro really made no sense to me. Um, but he got a great promo, by the way, on the network afterwards uh, about you know management being a huge distraction on Raw. And I don't think he'll get buried for it, but Cesaro, you know, uh, spitting truth on the WWE Network. So check out that promo when you get the chance. WWE posted it on their YouTube channel right afterwards, like the next day. So, I mean, it probably was a shoot, but they're just capitalizing off all the buzz it's received. And they probably won't do that with Kalisto, despite his hilariously botched promo on the network. But anyway, so uh, a great promo from him. Picked a lot later in the draft than he should have been, but still a good pick for Raw. He should have been on SmackDown too, but to each their own. Del Rio and Sheamus, the final two picks in the televised portion of the draft. Del Rio on SmackDown, Sheamus on Raw. I do not give a fuck at all. Why these were the final two and the televised draft was just so stupid to me, because I don't care about either guy. I mean, good for them. I just don't care. So round seven, moving into the WWE Draft Center live on the WWE Network. We had Golden Truth on Raw. <sighs> I just don't care. Um, SmackDown, the Usos. We have Ted O'Neill on Raw. Demon Keen on SmackDown. Page on Raw. So Paige was really the only one that stood out to me. Um, her and Del Rio were split up. I don't really care. That sucks for them, but it's not really a top priority for me, to be honest with you. Sorry to sound like a dick, but I just don't really care. Um, Paige is on Raw. She should run on SmackDown, though. I will say that. Not just because of Del Rio, but I feel like she would have done better on SmackDown. Anyway, round eight. Darren Young on Raw. Kalisto on SmackDown, who cut that great promo, as they mentioned earlier. 
I don't know why he's not on Raw, the Cruiserweight division. Uh, I mean, I like him on SmackDown. I put him in on, on SmackDown in my own draft, but that was before they announced the return of the Cruiserweight division. So that was a bit weird. At least they split up the Lucha Dragons. Uh, Sin Cara's on Raw, Kalusa's on SmackDown. That was a long time coming. Naomi on SmackDown, Jack Swagger on Raw, The Ascension on SmackDown, The Dudley Boys on Raw, Zack Ryder on SmackDown, Apollo Crews on SmackDown. Two great picks for the blue brand. Both guys, I feel like, can uh, really flourish on Tuesday nights. Summer Rae on Raw, Mark Henry on Raw, and Alexa Bliss coming up from NXT to SmackDown. Um, again, not another obvious, she wasn't an obvious call-up, but very well-deserved. She's been a part of the, the developmental system for about three years at this point. Uh, she's gorgeous. She's really, really improved her game, both in the ring and especially on the mic and as a character since turning heel about a year ago. I wrote a whole article about it a little over a month ago for Hidden Remote about how she's going to be a real force to be reckoned with in the uh, in the NXT women's division, but no longer. She's now in the main roster, so good for her. Moving forward now to round 10, Braun Strowman to Raw, Brazongo to SmackDown, as long as they split up him or Tyler Breeze from Brazong or from fucking Fandango at some point, I'm content. Bo Dallas on Raw, Eva Marie on SmackDown, who did not constitute as an NXT call-up. She was already a part of the main roster somehow. I know she was at WrestleMania, so maybe that's that explains it, but she's on SmackDown. Shining Stars on Raw, who I forgot were even employed. Uh, the Vaude Villains on SmackDown. In the final round, Alicia Fox on Raw, Eric Rowan on SmackDown, Dana Brooke on Raw, Mojo Raleigh on SmackDown from NXT, who I predicted many weeks ago. I talked about it on this show, hashtag AskGSM. Uh, it makes the most sense to me, uh, just because you can pair him with Zack Ryder, you can have him turn on Zack Ryder, because without Ryder in NXT, what the hell is Raleigh going to do, other than get released? And I feel like he's worked too hard, and the guy's still not great. I feel like he gets a lot of unwarranted hate, but uh, I feel like he has come a long way in NXT to really just kind of flounder on his own. So I'd rather have him on SmackDown, doing this thing with Zack Ryder, or you know, being a manager for him or something, and have him doing nothing in NXT. So I was completely content with that pick. Curtis Axel on Raw, and Carmella, the final NXT call-up from NXT to SmackDown Live. So that was great, too. She was another one a lot like Alexa that I did not see getting called up this early, but good for her. Um, I would have rather kept her with Enzo and Cass, but Triple H did allude to her, did, did allude to this during the Breaking Ground Reloaded special last month that they really want Carmella to kind of be a big star for the women's division at some point. So, I was surprised they called her up as soon as they did, just because I figured she might win the NXT Women's title first. Maybe not with Bailey and Asuka there. I did find it weird she got called up before Bailey. We all thought it was going to be the other way around. And I'll talk about Bailey momentarily towards the uh, Battleground predictions. But uh, that was a surprising pick. Heath Slater was the only one that was not drafted. He, we saw him in the, uh, in the draft room afterwards, and he was just kind of sitting there just waiting to be drafted, and he was not. So this whole Heath Slater thing is really intriguing. I think I think they did really right by him not getting drafted because he's a lot bigger star because of it. So we'll see how that plays out. But like I said earlier, with overall, I, I liked a lot of the picks for both shows. There were some people, some minor gripes I would have changed. I, I would have had switch shows, and they still could. They can negotiate contracts and whatever else between Foley and Brian. But for right now, I'm content with most of the picks, and I like... The brand split, being Brack, all the NXT call-ups, uh, reportedly, as I read today, Rhino and Curtis Axel, Curtis Axel, Kurt Hawkins, another Kurt, were uh, contacted by WWE, as we heard many weeks ago, former talents being, contact, being contacted by WWE to come back for the brand split, by, you know, coming back for Raw and SmackDown Live rosters, and apparently uh, two among, uh, among those people that were contacted by the company to come back were Rhino and Curtis Axel. Again, I said Axel. It's Kurt Hawkins. 
Uh, I love Kurt Hawkins. I thought he was utterly wasted in the you know initial run that he was in WWE. I think Hawkins, not that he's going to be a big star or anything. I feel like you know he might not be a jobber on SmackDown, but I feel like he'd be a great fit for SmackDown. Put him with Ryder, have him feed with Ryder. Have Ryder win the U.S. Championship and have him feed to the Ryder. It may not mean much from the get-go, but if you play up their history as former tag team champions, former edgeheads, former best friends, I feel like it could be great. I was long awaiting them being put back together as a tag team many years ago before Axel. I fucking said it again. I get that Kurt fucking next up. It's not Axel. It's Kurt Hawkins. I was waiting for them to get reunited many years ago. It didn't happen. Hawkins got the axe. You know, pun intended, I guess. And it never really it never really came to fruition, so we'll see how that plays out. Rhino is an interesting one, just because he's in NXT right now. He's not as surprising. Hawkins was rumored a few days ago. I'm happy he's back, reportedly. Rhino um, has been technically under contract for a while now. He came back to NXT early last year. He's been a part of NXT for the better part of 2015. Came back to NXT only a few short weeks ago. Faced Samoa Joe on last night's episode in a pretty good match. So I like him on the main roster. Um, we all speculated at what point if he would be brought back to the main roster and it looks like with the brand split coming back, that's exactly what they're going to do. So he might be needed more on SmackDown than on NXT at this point. So I'm completely you know, happy with that as well. Con- you know, Congrats to both guys for returning to the main roster. They won't be big stars, obviously, but you know they're good bodies to add to the Tuesday night show. So that's pretty cool. But like I said, overall, I was happy with a lot of the picks. A lot of the people ended up on the right show, You know, specifically Cena. AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, uh, Roman Reigns, I was happy, Balor as well. Him on SmackDown would have been cool, but they obviously want to make him a top star from the get-go. If he feuds with Rollins at some point, maybe over the championship, going to SummerSlam even, that would be one sexy-ass match. We'll see how that goes. But yeah, I like the draft, and we'll see how the uh, how the uh, brand split affects the future landscape of the WWE moving forward. So SmackDown Live on Tuesday was basically a lot of the draft picks, but match-wise, we had Cena beating Gallows. Pretty forgettable match. Young and Ryder beating Miz and Rusev. The challengers picking up a win over the champions. Good stuff. Bray Wyatt beating Xavier Woods in a pretty decent match to further their feud along. Kane and Kevin Owens never came to fruition after Kane. Literally chokeslam and attacked both Owens and Sami Zayn for no apparent reason. So that was pretty stupid. And Kane was drafted behind Big Show, who was not on this show. So I felt like that was just beyond asinine. But anyway, uh, that was a waste of time. Charlotte and Dana being Sasha in 2-1 handicap action. Jericho beating Cesaro in a really fun match at the time it was allotted with a great code breaker out of nowhere. Jericho's been just fucking killing it this entire run. Fox and Natalia never came to fruition after an attack from Becky Lynch transpired on Natalia before the bout. And as I alluded to at the start of the show, Dean Ambrose and Rollins in the main event for the WWE Championship. Ambrose successfully retaining his title in a great match. So uh, two thumbs up for SmackDown Live, Raw, and the WWE Draft. That was you know, probably 95% satisfied, if not 90%. I feel like that's any below anything below that is being uh, untruthful, if that's even a word, is just not being accurate. Because I was pretty happy with the WWE draft results, SmackDown and Raw. So we'll see. Again, this is pure speculation. It's only week one. We'll see how this plays out. They could botch the whole thing by next week. This they could you know could be a great idea in theory and just awfully executed. So we'll see how it plays out uh, going forward in the, in the weeks to come. So, as we close out here, um, I guess we'll just briefly talk about the other two shows, the other three shows, rather, before moving to Battleground Predictions, you know, this coming Sunday. Ultima Lucha Dose, Part 3 on Wednesday night, Lucha Underground Season 2 Finale. Uh, really, really good show, definitely better than Parts 1 and you know, one and 2, which I thought were pretty throwaway. Part 3 was a lot better. I still say Ultima Lucha Uno, I guess, Ultima Lucha, U- Ultima Lucha, the original from last year, was a lot better than this one, but still a pretty good show. 
Great opener with Phoenix, Drago, and Aerostar beating the Worldwide Underground. Uh, PJ Black, Jack Evans, and Johnny Mundo to win the Trios Tag Team titles. Great match to open the show with. Dragon Azteca Jr. and Black Lotus was just not really good. Um, I'm glad it got thrown out by the interfering Pentagon Jr., who was just a fucking star in this promotion. So I was really happy he came out, attacked both people, and then went on to break both of their arms before cutting a promo, leading us into our Lucha Underground Championship match, which was no disqualification. A good match, not a great match. Uh, a lot better than their initial encounter many months ago, but still an okay match. Matanza Cueto successfully defended the title against Pentagon Black, not Junior, sorry. It's Pentagon Black now. And then Pentagon won Berserk afterwards, attacking Vampiro, and also attacked him at the end of the show, too. So this was really the Pentagon uh, Black show, uh, to say the least. So good match there. Ty and Ivelisse was all right. Uh, it was a good match for what it was. I was more folk, you know, fixated on Katrina and her amazing in-ring gear. Who uh, returned, not returned, but she debuted new ring attire in this match, and she looks to be a wrestler in season three, attacking Evilice and, you know, jump starting their own feet. And they've had history throughout, you know, throughout the better part of seasons one and two, so uh, it made sense to rekindle that rivalry on this show. So an all right match with Taya going over. In the main event, Rey Mysterio and Prince Puma in an exceptional match, as you could probably, you know, ex only expect from these two. Certainly living up to that dream match billing, as it was being called for weeks on end. The build wasn't really there, but the match itself was great to really make up for that fact. Uh, Prince Puma looked great here. Rey Mysterio did not, hasn't lost a step at all. Maybe one or two due to his injured knee. Yeah, ba -da -ba. But uh, Mysterio has been really, really freaking killing it in Lucha Underground. I think he's been a great pickup for them. Uh, he's added a lot of attention to the show. I'm certainly more... I think season one was better overall, but Mysterio's been, in my opinion, the star of season two. Uh, so, you know, along with the Heels and Mundo and PJ Black and Jack Evans. Other than them, Rey Mysterio has been one of the best parts of this show. And uh, seeing him win was surprising. I thought they would pass the torch. They did not. They did not go with the most obvious outcome. Puma's leaving anyway, so it's not a big deal. So a great match to close the show with. And then to close the show, we see Dario Cueto being escorted out of the arena by police. And then we see him sitting in, an, in a cop car with a grin on his face as we fade to black. And that is season two of Lucha Underground. Season three has already been confirmed. We are not in the black. Uh, no pun intended. A lot of puns in the show here today. That's, that might be a new Thursday thing. But uh, so season three has already, has already been confirmed. Unlike season two, which we had no idea whether it would be occurring or not. There was a rumor it wouldn't be. It was obviously picked up for season two that, you know, fall or whatever it was that, that summer. And now we have, uh, now we have... Season 3 coming up. When? I have no idea. No one can point me in the right direction and give me a real straightforward answer as to when Season 3 will come to fruition. I imagine in the fall? I mean, it's July now. I imagine Season 3 will kick off. If it's anytime soon, they would have said something. You know, I feel like it's either in the fall or in the winter. It might be in the winter. That's when Season 2 kicked off in January and not in the fall like Season 1. So we'll see. It's a shorter season, but... Season 3, from what Vampiro said on Stone Cold's podcast last week, should be pretty lit. So I'm looking forward to that. And uh, Cruiserweight Classic on Wednesday night as well. We'll briefly go through the matches. Uh, Tajiri beating Damian Slater in the first-round match. Good match. Great to see Tajiri back in action. TJ Perkins beating Demac in the first-round match. Really, really fun stuff. Uh, Demac is great. I'm you know, slightly sad he did not advance the next round, but Perkins was the bigger priority. He's the former Manic from TNA. So uh, great to see him back. Lince Dorado beating Mustafa Ali in a first-round match. Easily the match of the night. This, these, you know, these two put forth a phenomenal performance. Great shit from both guys. Uh, Dorado scored the victory to advance. And finally, in the main event, Akira Tozawa taking on Kenneth Johnson. I can't pronounce that correctly. Akira Tozawa. 
Um, a great friend of Apollo Crews, apparently, as he talked about on YouTube. You know, uh, Akira talked about it. Apollo Crews talked about it last week. So uh, these two are really good friends, apparently, behind the scenes. But uh, a good match. Tozawa did impress me. A lot like uh, Ayabushi did, obviously. Both guys are amazing talents. And they should really go far in this tournament, to say the least. So uh, another good show. Not quite as good as Episode 1, but nothing was going to beat Episode 1 just because it was really a breath of fresh air. But overall, the show is going to be a lot of fun. So I look forward to... Uh, Watching the remainder of season, not season, you know, season two, season one. Watching the remainder of the Cruiserweight Classic. Before I move forward here, I forgot to mention this at the end of the, the draft results, as I said I would. But the Cruiserweight division is set to return to Monday Night Raw, which I thought was interesting. It was announced this past week. So it is coming back to Raw in what form or fashion? We have no idea. It was basically not a throwaway comment, but it was made before the announcements of, you know, Daniel Bryan and Mick Foley being revealed as his GMs for Raw and SmackDown respectively, so uh, it was kind of buried underneath those announcements, and it, obviously I forgot to talk about it earlier, but I'm happy for it, I think it's great, you know, you guys have been asking me time and time again, literally every episode, almost every episode of Hashtag Ask GSM over the past three years, I've had at least one question asking me, when or if is the Cruiserweight division ever going to be brought back, and I'm glad it is, we have a new show, which has been great, I mean, we're only two episodes in, but you kind of get a gist of the concept that it's going to be an amazing show going forward. Um, I'm glad they're bringing it back. Cruiserweights are the, you know, the new in thing nowadays, I guess, is the uh, right way to put it. And you have a lot of talent that could be in there, too. Kalisa's on SmackDown, which I thought was the head-scratcher, but you have Neville on Raw, you have Balor on Raw. I wouldn't put Neville in that division, or rather Balor in that division, but I guess we'll have to see. Uh, apparently, they already signed Ayabushi, Grand Metallic, possibly Cedric Alexander, and a few others, so great for them. All those guys have been great so far in the series. Hopefully, Zack Sabre Jr. ends up there, as well as uh, a few others, you know, Tozawa and a few others as well. But I like the move. And I also like it on Raw. Um, I don't like how Raw really has all the women, all the prominent women for the most part. They have all the tag teams for the most part. And we have American Elf on SmackDown, I get that, and the Usos, and the Vaude Villains. That's not saying much, but it's something, I guess. Uh, and that's that's pretty much it. And Raw has all the hot tag teams. They have all the hot acts. They have New Day, Club, Enzo and Cass. They have the Dudley Boys. And I don't know if it's really necessary to have the Cruiserweight division on Raw with all those other aforementioned divisions really being stacked on Monday nights. And maybe they even it out in the next couple weeks, who knows. But I've been talking about it for years, that uh, that third hour, not the whole third hour, but, you know, part of that third hour for Raw can be a great, solid, substantial Cruiserweight division, as it was in WCW. You know, it really worked well for them. Three hours did not work well for them, but... Raw has been three hours for almost four years. Four years on Saturday, if you can believe that. It's crazy to think it's been that long, that um, that Raw has been three hours for that long. But, um, you know, I, I can't believe, honestly, it's taken, it, it's taken them this long to come up with the idea to bring back that division for Raw and to do it not as, like, again, for the first hour or whatever. But uh, who knows? So we'll see how that plays out. But I'm really happy to see the division back. There's a lot of people that could be a part of it. Like I said, all the aforementioned names from the Cruiserweight Classic show and a few other people on the main roster. But I'm happy for the division being brought back. You know, Cruiserweight division was a big part of SmackDown early on. Now, when they tried to revive it in, like, the mid-2000s with, like, fucking Super Pork and all that shit, it was awful, obviously. But if it's done right, you have great talent and they take it seriously. They're taking tag teams more seriously now. They're taking the women more seriously not so much the mid-card, but that's always been an issue with WWE. But at least the women in tag team scenes are doing a lot better than they were, you know, even a few months ago or, you know, at this point last year, you know. So hopefully the Cruiserweight division is no exception and hopefully Triple H can get his, you know, hands on the Cruiserweight division in the WWE, not only in NXT. And we can see a lot of those guys on this Cruiserweight Classic show 
on the main roster, killing it as they are right now in that show. So uh, one final review here before moving to the Battleground predictions. NXT on Wednesday night. Samoa Joe beating Rhino in a good match, as they mentioned, as they alluded to earlier in the opener. The Authors of Pain beating American Alpha in a really, really good match. A lot better than I thought it was going to be. A big win for Authors of Pain. I don't know if this is the final match of American Alpha in NXT. I don't think so. I know this obviously aired and, you know, was uh, was taped before they got dropped to SmackDown. So they could have a few more matches in the can before they are officially SmackDown bound, but... Still a good match. Austin Aries beating Patrick Clark, who is a Season 6 alum from uh, Tough Enough last year. So that was, it was good to see him. Not a really, you know, anything outstanding from him, but a good squash for Austin Aries, who furthered his feud with Noe Jose. And in the main event, Bailey taking a Nia Jax in a uh, rubber match of sorts. Bailey beat Nia in London back in December, and Nia beat Bailey clean on an episode of NXT back in December, or rather back in May, two months ago. So. A good match. I thought this was their best bout today. I love Bailey. obviously. Nia's come a long way. Still not on the same level as the other women, but still a good match. And uh, Bailey came out on top with a belly-to-belly to belly from the top rope to Nia Jax, scoring the victory and uh, pretty much uh, punching her ticket to NXT TakeOver London. We have yet to have that match confirmed for the show, Asuka versus Bailey Part 2 for the belt. But I imagine it's going to be happening. I don't know else what they would be doing. Uh, maybe a triple threat, but I doubt it with Nia being on the main roster now. Um, I'll talk about Bailey in a second, so going to Battleground, and also I forgot to mention this too, my reviews of NXT and SmackDown, we kind of rushed through them today because there's a lot to talk about specifically with the draft, they will be more in-depth going forward, uh, so basically WrestleRate Radio on Tuesday, or rather on Thursdays, will allow me to talk more about NXT, and we talked about it on WWE C Radio during the school year earlier this year with uh, Tommy Sharp, my brother, with my brother Tom, he's a... Great guy. Um, not my brother or my brother. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, the slang there kind of mixed that up. But check out WWEC Radio if you haven't already. The guy is great at analyzing and everything else he does. So I great. Uh, I look forward to reuniting with him in the fall. But at any rate, the point I'm trying to make is that we talked all about NXT earlier on in the year, and that was really our SmackDown post-show, SmackDown or SmackDown pre-show, NXT post-show. Um, but I will be talking about NXT on this show going forward. Now that we're moving forward to now that we're airing the show on Thursdays. So I'm happy with NXT on Wednesdays, and we'll do more in-depth reviews going forward is what I'm saying. So before we close it out here, uh, the uh, premiere edition of WrestleRant Radio on Thursdays, Battleground Predictions for this upcoming Sunday live on the WWE Network. It will pretty much rush through my uh, predictions here. We got Sasha Banks and a mystery partner taking on Charlotte and Dana Brooke. The women's title is obviously not in the line, which I think is good. Save Sasha and Charlotte for SummerSlam one-on-one. So that being said, that factors into my prediction here. I think it should be Banks and Charlotte one-on-one at SummerSlam. No Bayley. Um, I think Banks and Charlotte in a singles match has been long overdue. They should have done it at WrestleMania, but the triple throw with Lynch made a lot more sense just because Lynch was uh, you know, fresh off the title picture at the time, so it made sense to put her in that match. And I'm happy they won that triple threat. It was an amazing match. Best match on the show. So no complaints, and it really worked out well. So what I'm trying to say is that I don't want another triple threat title match anytime soon. Um, maybe they do one, you know, at, at Clash of the Champions or the next pay-per-view, whatever the hell it is, after SummerSlam. So if you bring up Bailey now, I feel like she'll really take away from that title picture. And I don't want people to be disappointed. They will be anyway. It's the fucking internet. And people are thinking Bailey will be called up on Sunday. And I'm not saying I won't mark out if she if she is called up. I'll go crazy. But I feel like it'll be better suited and not just because I'll be there, but for the Raw after SummerSlam. Have Sasha win the belt in Brooklyn. And have on the exact one-year anniversary that Bailey won the NXT Women's Championship show up on Raw, which is why she wasn't drafted this past week. Which is why I also think she won't show up on Sunday. Uh, maybe we see Paige, Nia Jax show up as as Banks's partner. 
I hope not. I, I'm fine with Paige. Nia Jax would make no sense because she's an uh, she's a heel in NXT. So why would Sasha you know enlist Nia Jax of all people? You know, it just feels it feels forced, and they'll have Nia turn on Banks. That just doesn't make any sense. So I guess who else is on Raw? Alicia Fox. Who fucking cares? Maybe Summer Rae, given their past history, but they literally just had a match on SmackDown like two weeks ago. So I would hope not, but. Regardless, I think it's going to be Paige or someone else. Uh, who knows? Maybe, probably Naomi. You know, I'll go with Naomi. Naomi hasn't been seen in a while. That'll be my bold prediction for this show. Naomi will come back on Sunday. Uh, Nikki Bella's a long shot, too. I heard today she was not cleared, but she got good news from the doctor. And her next stop is the Performance Center in Orlando. I don't think we see her Sunday. I don't think we should see her Sunday, just because a lot of people are hoping for Bailey. And Nikki Bella, as much as I don't really care for her all that much, She's really come a long way, but her return should not be as a babyface in this match, in my opinion. Uh, so, save that return for a later date. And that would be Naomi. Turn her baby... Oh, man, I guess not. Naomi's on SmackDown. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But either way, regardless of who Banks' partner is, uh, Charlotte and Dana won at the previous pay-per-view, so I think they lose here. Uh, Banks and her mystery partner pick up the victory. New Day versus Wyatt Family. This before, really, I didn't really have a, a solid pick for who would win here, especially with the... Tension being teased within the New Day, and hopefully that leads to nothing. And they are officially the longest reigning WWE Tag Team Champions. They have broken the record, so it's a free game to take the titles off them now. Um, I'd be fine with them dropping the championships at SummerSlam to Enzo and Cash with the club. Hopefully, the hopefully Enzo and Cash. But uh, either way, I'm content. So the bottom line, the point I'm trying to make here is this: is that they will remain together beyond Battleground. The Wyatt family will not, unless something happens, unless we get a trade of some sort. Braun Strowman is on Raw. Eric Rowan and Wyatt are on SmackDown. And the New Day are on Raw. So you cannot continue the feud going forward. I know Orton and Lesnar are on, the, are on different shows. That's a special ex- exception to have that feud you know, be a, a cross-interpromotional match going into SummerSlam. This feud, as good and surprisingly pleasant or pleasantly surprising as it has been, really there is no need for it to continue. So I have New Day going over here. The tag titles, by the way, are not on the line. So for the two mid-card title matches... Rusev versus Zack Ryder for the United States Championship, and The Miz versus Darren Young for the Intercontinental Championship. Again, this is going to be a bold prediction, and I mentioned this earlier in my draft results. I think Ryder and Young take the titles on Sunday. It's either both heels win or both baby faces win. I think it's a lot more likely that the heels retain, but I just really want Young to win the belt, and Ryder too. So I'll say Ryder beats Rusev to win the U.S. Championship to take the title to SmackDown. And then Darren Young beats Miz to win the Intercontinental Championship to take the Intercontinental title to Monday Night Raw. Um, Do a little switcheroo with the titles there. So the chances of both guys winning belts in the show in like underdog-like fashion is super, super unlikely. It's a lot more likely we, we get one title change as opposed to two for these two matches. But I don't know. For the only way for it to make sense, we have to have... You can't have one guy retain and then another win. Another title change just because both belts wound up on the same show. And both matches are interpromotional. So I would just have the baby faces win. It's either one or the other. You have the baby faces win both matches or the heels win. And I think it's a lot more likely the heels win, but I'll go off on a limb and say both Ryder and Young win gold on Sunday. Becky Lynch and Natalia doesn't really matter. I'll go with Becky. She needs she needs to win more. It wouldn't surprise me if Natalia won, but I'll go with Becky. Uh Cena, Enzo, and Cass versus the club. I'll go with the baby faces. Enzo and Cass and Cena are not on the same show. Neither are Styles in the club or, you know, Gallows and Anderson. But uh, Cena lost the Money in the Bank. They'll probably have a Cena-Styles Part 2 at SummerSlam. I really want Styles to win the match too, but 
this is a nice way of giving the baby face or giving you know Cena specifically his win back without having Styles lose one on one. And if they have Styles get pinned here, it's so fucking stupid. But anyway, have the baby faces win. You know Cena pins Carl Anderson. I'll say. Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. They ended up on the same show. So even before that, it didn't really matter who won because both guys will come out of the suit looking just fine. But I'll go Sami Zayn. Get that feel-good moment. I'd be happy if Kevin Owens won just to keep the feud going along for another month going to SummerSlam. But I'll go Sami Zayn. And then time for the main event for the WWE Championship Triple Threat Match. Dean Ambrose, the defending champion, versus Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins. I'll go with Seth Rollins. I think Rollins, after losing on Raw and SmackDown, I feel like that was done. Not only to boost ratings, but because he's winning on Sunday. To pin Roman Reigns. Maybe we get another triple threat at SummerSlam. Who knows? But uh, I think the belt comes back to Seth Rollins on Sunday. To take the right to take the title to uh, to uh, Monday nights. So I think Ambrose will not be pinned. I want Ambrose to retain and continue his reign, but I don't think he will. I think Rollins wins the championship on Sunday by pinning Roman Reigns. And Roman Reigns, as I said earlier, should not become champion in his first match back from suspension. That will set the... Worst of all precedents, so that should not happen by any means. So I got Seth Rollins, the new WWE champion. Sami Zayn over Kevin Owens. Cena, Enzo, and Cass over The Club. Becky over Natalia. Darren Young over Miz as the new IC champion. Ryder over Rusev as the new US champion. New Day over The Wyatt Family. And Sasha and whoever her partner is against, or over rather, Charlotte and Dana Brooke. So those are my predictions for Sunday's Battleground pay-per-view, which I cannot wait anymore for. It should be a great show. It should be a stack show from uh, top to bottom with all the matches being advertised. And that's it, guys. Speaking of stack shows, this has been a stack show, just that, right here on WrestleRant Radio, our premiere episode on Thursdays. And uh, I kind of like it. I kind of like the uh, the new Thursday feel. I mean, it's not uncharted territories. We've done shows on Thursdays before, not for WrestleRant Radio, but for WWEC Radio. That show will probably be moved to a new day when I get back to campus in the fall. We might be moving it to either Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I feel like that's that either one, either one or the other. It's not going to be Mondays or, or Fridays. It's going to be either Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I'd prefer Tuesdays as a SmackDown pre-show, Raw post-show. We'll see. Um, and to do this show on Thursday so we can wrap up the entire week in wrestling. So like I said, moving forward, we will not be having as much to talk about with, you know, Lucha's done now. We have the Cruiserweight Classic Show and NXT. Still going on, obviously. The Classic Show, the CWC will be going on for another few more months. I'll be doing more in-depth reviews of those shows going forward, but uh, for the first time ever here on WrestleRant Radio, we, we will be doing a full-on SmackDown review going forward, which I'm really looking forward to for the first time ever here on the show, in addition to the Raw review and the Battleground review, obviously, come next Tuesday or next Thursday. i gotta get start. I got to start getting used to saying Thursdays here for uh, WrestleRant Radio's new day and new home right here on uh, Thursday afternoons, evenings, mornings, whenever the show gets uploaded to the website, whenever I feel like it. So uh, that being said, I have no idea what next Thursday holds. I almost said Tuesday there for a second. I don't know if it's going to be just me. Maybe RJ comes on. We have not heard from RJ in almost two months now since Money in the Bank, since uh, our Extreme Rules review, which we were there for. Uh, maybe before SummerSlam. Who knows? I know John will definitely be on the show before SummerSlam again to talk SummerSlam predictions and everything else. I probably won't be seeing him for another at least month or so, but for another Raw or SmackDown or whatever, but... Uh, it's going to be a very rocky and exciting road to SummerSlam, TakeOver, and Raw, all in Brooklyn, which I all intend to attend, intend to attend over SummerSlam weekend in a mere month. A month from today is SummerSlam. Can you believe that, guys? The road to Brooklyn, the No Sleep Till Brooklyn tour has been uh, a quick one, a, a very quick one, yet an enjoyable one. So I look forward to seeing how it progresses in the next month to come. So with all that being said, guys, my reviews of the WWE Draft, SmackDown Raw, 
Lucha Underground, the, the, the Cruiserweight Classic, NXT, the new Cruiserweight Division, all that other stuff. I somehow managed to condense it all into a mere hour or an hour, 10 minutes, you know, an hour and some change. So uh, obviously, like I said earlier, not every show will be this jam-packed, but every Tuesday, or rather every Thursday, like I said, I gotta start, I gotta start getting used to saying Thursdays here on the show. Every Thursday will be just as exciting as this one was with more talk of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and Battleground come this Sunday. So it's going to be fun to watch how Raw and SmackDown kind of play out in the uh, next couple weeks to see how the brand split affects the quality of both shows. And both shows have been pretty entertaining, in my opinion, for the better part of 2016. So it's going to be, uh, you know, really fun to see how this all plays out, how it really changes and switches up the landscape of the entire WWE. So enough of my rambling, guys. Check me out on Twitter, on at WrestleRant, on the Twitter, at WrestleRant, on Facebook, at Facebook.com, backslash Graham.Jason.Matthews, on YouTube, at YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham.Jason.Matthews. Be sure to subscribe. And right here on the website at NextAirWrestling.net, my full reviews of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, no longer at Lucha Underground for now, anyway, until it comes back for Season 3, whenever that is. Um, TNA Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, I mean, Event Superstars, and everything else in between uh, right here on the website. New episodes of WrestleRant Radio every Thursday now moving forward. So thank you guys for your amazing support by spreading the word of the show. The more people th- that hear about the show, the more people that know about the show, the better off the show will be, the better quality the show will be, the higher the numbers will be, and all that other stuff. Not like numbers really matter anyway, but... uh I appreciate all the compliments and support, all the feedback the show gets. You guys are the fucking greatest. So thank you so much for that. And I forgot to mention, I forgot to allude to this too earlier, but new commentary teams for on SmackDown. Not like it really matters much. We do have Corey Graves on Raw, which is awesome. I had to mention that. So anyway, guys, it's been one hell of a show right here on WrestleRant Radio, our new home on Thursdays. Hopefully you guys enjoy the intro, the new logo, and the new feel of the Thursday the, the Thursday, uh, the day, the new day of the week. So I love it. I love Thursdays, as I already did anyway with SmackDown being on Thursdays previously. So hopefully WrestleRant Radio will find its rhythm even more so than it already has here today going forward on Thursdays in the, uh, you know, permanently, not for the next week, not for the next month. Permanently, WrestleRant Radio will be on Thursdays. So it's going to be a fun adventure, guys. Thank you guys for being a part of it. So once again, guys, have an amazing rest of your week. I'm Graham Giusin Matthews. Thank you for joining me for the premier episode of WrestleRant Radio right here on Thursdays, and I'll catch you folks next week.